Welcome to Canada's Property Management Podcast, your number one resource for investing, managing, and maximizing the value of your real estate assets. And now, here's your hosts, Carla Brown and Adrian Schultz, Canada's rental property experts. Hello, Adrian. Uh, good morning. We're not supposed <laughs> to say good morning or hello. We're just supposed to, you know, get started. Okay, let's get started. This one is a special episode. It is dealing with year-end financial prep. So it is one of those ones that's timely, but if you are listening to this in September or April, uh, it's still something you could take some really good notes on. So we are about six weeks out from our year-end, and now is the time where an investor needs to really start looking at where their properties are sitting. So Adrian, let's walk through some of the things that you as a property investor do at this time of year to make sure that you're prepared for the year end and that you're not taking money and giving it to the taxman that could be used to put into your property. Yeah. So I think just an admission of guilt, like most property investors on a monthly basis, I'm focused on the monthly cash basis income statement, right? Mm -hmm. What came in, what went out, what's the cash flow difference yeah. on a month to month basis? That's uh, what I'm looking at. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Yeah. I, ironically, I'm equally concerned about the passive income tax exposure, but but that's, that's really what we're going to talk about today. So in Q4 of every year, uh, I tend to request a year to date cash basis income statement from my property manager in two ways. Number one, one for each property, and number two, consolidated all-in-one. The consolidated all-in-one, its sole purpose is to identify the net operating income before debt service, okay? Because that will identify what the passive income tax exposure will be. Okay, uh, it's very important that it is pre debt service because only the interest portion of debt service is a tax deductible expense. So I think it's much better to look at net before debt service. And that then gives you a glimpse of your entire portfolio of what your tax exposure is going to look like for the year. You'll obviously have to prorate for the end of the year. You'll have to, you know, times it by 1.2 or 1.25, whatever part of the year you're getting the year to date statement in. So that's the high level. But then we look at each individual property to see and if it's a joint ownership, it's easy to decide, but sometimes a portfolio you may have one owned by one spouse, one owned by another spouse, you'll own another one together. And they're accounted for in that way in your statement of uh, rental property activity that's generated along with your T1 general. You want to make sure that you're looking at the right property for the right person. So there's a little mm -hmm. bit of, of detail that you want to be sure of. But you now know overall how much exposure, and then you look at each property and you identify the ones where, oh, we've got a lot of exposure here, like we've got a lot of cash flow here. Do we want to pay tax on that or do we want to minimize our tax burden, our tax exposure, and actually invest in the property before year end? That's the key. That means work done 
invoice paid Mm -hmm. before the end of the year because the majority of rental property operations are going to be cash basis, right? So you've got to do it early enough to get the work done. Alternatively, I, I suppose that you could engage service providers and make a large deposit or down payment. I'm just not sure how that would be recognized in the property management software. But those are things for you to discuss with your accountant and your property manager. And then it's this question of, do we want to do maintenance just for the sake of it proactively, which is another, you know, I'm sure many other episodes we've talked about proactive maintenance, or do you actually look at the long-term capital improvement plan of your property? And, And let's not use fancy words. Let's dumb that down for a minute. Roof needs to be done, new furnace, new boiler, Uh, maybe new uh, gutters and eaves, you know, maybe some new windows, new doors, et cetera, right? Like like that, those those bigger ticket items and then evaluate which one is a high priority. And with high priority, I mean, what's going to be good for the tenant and potentially could increase your rents, right? Yeah. It's also a time to look at who is your target tenant? Who are you actually trying to to target to be a tenant in your property? Because doing some of those changes might actually impact who you're going to attract to the property. And we've seen the tenant profiles changing as years have gone on. So now's a really good time to start looking at that. We made a decision uh, in a few rental units a couple of years ago to move to LVT flooring or luxury vinyl tile flooring. And you can do it with grouting. So it looks like ceramic tile. Mm-hmm. It's It's a very neat product. And we did it in two and three bedroom units. What we didn't account for is that the type of tenants we were actually attracting were families, were people with kids. And never, ever could we have forecasted that people would ask if they could have carpets put in the bedrooms, Mm -hmm. right? And I appreciate that. Like we've got carpet in our basement. There is a place and time to have carpet. And some families with children will want to have carpet in the bedroom. So those are things you really have to think through to your Mm -hmm. point of who is your target tenant? Because I thought everybody wanted hard surface floors. Nope. That's just the German in me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the people looking for a modern look. And it's also, it seems like it's good for a rental property. And we recommend it all the time. But it's important to note, carpet absorbs sound. You know, there's so many things that carpet does that, you're not going to get when you're using the luxury vinyl, even though it's quick and easy to use for a rental because it's good for cleanup, easy if it gets damaged. Like there's all different kinds of reasons for using it. But yeah, yeah, all these little things you don't think about. To finish that flooring story, because it's relative regarding, you know, how to minimize your tax exposure on passive income. There was a property that had quite a bit of passive income, net income. And we actually recalled, oh, these were the people that asked for carpet. So what we did is, you know, we spent, it was maybe $800 a bedroom and we put in Kanga Hyde carpet on top of the LVT. Mm-hmm. So when we don't need the carpet anymore, it just gets rolled up and removed and you've got a quality LVT underneath. So those are the, you know, whatever it was, $800 a bedroom. Those are the kinds of things that you can do. So two things happened. Number one, those tenants were ecstatic right? So they may have stayed longer. Mm -hmm. And number two, we invested in the property, lessening our net income, lessening our tax exposure, right? I would just encourage you to really process line by line and capital improvement opportunity and identify, you know, maybe instead of 
taking this money, let's let it work for us and invest in the property, which is good for the tenant, good for the property, and good for the manager managing it because they've got a, a better quality product or asset to take care of. Now that's real property management. Thanks for listening to Canada's Property Management Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating, which will help us reach more listeners. Until next time, connect with us on social media and online at realpm.ca. Today's episode is brought to you by Century 21 Canada, the gold standard in real estate. Explore listings, find an agent, and get advice at www.c21.ca.